0: This episode of Positive Space is brought to you by the Folding Art Horse, makers of professional-grade drawing horses. The patented Folding Art Horse uniquely folds flat, allowing for greater storage and portability. If you are a university don't have much storage space, the Folding Art Horse is for you. They're great for travel, too. Check out the Folding Art Horse at thefoldingarthorse.com. Welcome to Positive Space, Conversations and Art Foundations, a production of Foundations in Art, Theory and Education, also known as FATE. Positive Space is a podcast providing opportunities for those passionate about art foundations to discuss and promote excellence in the development and teaching of college-level foundations in art studio and art history classes.
1: Hey there, this is Valerie Powell. Welcome to Positive Space. Today I have Ray Goodwin, who is the 2017 Fate Educator Award winner. And I'm thrilled that you're here, Ray. Thanks for joining me. Thank you for having me. Yeah, this is wonderful to get to do this in person in Kansas City at the Fate Conference. And you know, you said something in your accepted speech that I've heard you say before that I love and that I want to kind of like dig in on. You talk about failing forward. Yes. And you talk about it with such vigor and enthusiasm that I want to join in. <laughs> <But> <laughs> come I, fail with me. Come fail with me. It's like a band. Um, so t- <laughs> like, tell me, wh- wh- what does that mean to you? And like, when did that become something that seems like it's so pivotal in how you think about education? Well, it's
2: pivotal in how I think about my art.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: and I'm helping people make their own work, and I am really interested in my work about intimacy and risk. Mm-hmm. I think if we don't have intimacy and risk in the studio classroom, mm-hmm. uh, I think I've failed in some manner. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but I think we have to fail because we have to take chances, mm-hmm. and when we fail forward, we can catch ourselves. Mm. And when we catch ourselves, we can continue on the path instead of letting failure stop us Mm. from that progression towards another and another and another. And hopefully along that path, we can Mm -hmm. find some improvement and betterment and Mm -hmm. greater connection with our students so that Mm -hmm. they feel more engaged with Mm -hmm. a curriculum that ultimately has to benefit them because it is about their artwork.
1: Their mm-hmm. creation,
2: their practice—it mm-hmm. actually has very little to do with me.
1: Ah, mm. oh, that's so right. I mean, that's so true. But it's so easy to forget that because we're the, the the person that's supposed to do things, and we're the person that's supposed to know things and and be informed in some way. And I think it's easy to feel um, overwhelmed in that place. But um, but thinking about failure and thinking about risk and like intimacy and honesty, um, you know. That, that is something that in the classroom you're excited about, but also in your work you're excited about. And wh- where did that start? Was that something that, um, that sparked when you were in school? Was that something that sparked in the studio and then transpired into the classroom?
2: Well, I've been teaching
1: for 23 years. Mm-hmm.
2: And I don't think I really was conscious of my teaching practice or style until mm-hmm. I uh, attended Think Tank 5, mm-hmm. the Integrative Teaching International um, at University of Georgia. And at Think Tank 5, I was a Fellowship Award winner. Mm. And it was such a huge honor that my ears and eyes were really open. And Mm. I was very receptive and aware of the places in which I was ignorant or non-self-reflective. And so after Think Tank 5, I really tried to embody that consciousness and that reflectivity within my Mm -hmm. teaching practice. It has always been in my art mm-hmm. but I think I've just I think I just taught the way I was taught mm. I think I taught similar lessons that I had received
1: mm-hmm.
2: not necessarily that I had engaged in but that I had received and so I thought that that was how uh, a teacher imparted information
1: mm-hmm.
2: and that there could be like a uh, a right and a wrong way to do it. And I wanted to do it Mm. the right way. And so I thought that was a formulaic, a formula perhaps, but um, perhaps the formula is to be more self-aware and more um, Mm. willing to take risks and to find out who the humans are in Mm -hmm. my classroom, my Mm -hmm. studio classroom And to be present with them. And I say specifically studio classroom because I want to connect it in my own mind to my studio Mm. where I lose track of time, where my intuitive intelligence reigns, Mm -hmm. where I allow myself to make a mess, where I allow myself to drop things for a while and then come back to them later or never, Mm -hmm. where I allow myself to make things that end up in the garbage can Mm -hmm. where I allow myself great permissions and creativity, Mm -hmm. and I want to create atmospheres uh, in my studio classrooms for my students so they can engage in a similar practice of art Mm -hmm. and not exercises.
1: Mm -hmm. Wow. And, I mean, is is that something that that you, you know, in your own practice – um, in terms of making things, do you find that you don't sketch things, you don't plan things, that you just go in there and just sort of see what happens? So my studio
2: practice is quite divergent. Mm-hmm. And the last um, decade, it's been more focused on performance. Mm-hmm. So I, although I do make things, the right. things that I make end up as a, an artifact within a performance or the installation of a performance mm-hmm. or a... Um,
1: like an experience,
2: an activity, yes. an event. Yes. huh. And so those are very immediate, and they mm-hmm. are very risky. Mm-hmm. Um, and I often rely on audience participation mm. to make the performance happen. Mm-hmm. So I try to be as comfortable with vulnerability as possible. Mm-hmm. And the greatest lesson that my graduate professor, Sean Cassidy at Winthrop University, told me... Uh, two great things, one, become comfortable with uncomfortability
1: mm.
2: and the second one, trust yourself
1: mm. right if you do, who can you trust if you can 't trust yourself well, sure, but how hard is that in that space of like making and thinking, oh, no, like, what am I doing wrong? And how do, how do you shut your mind off in those kinds of moments? Well, do you find it difficult? It's not my mind that I'm shutting off.
2: It's mm-hmm. my uh, linear, critical, judgmental intelligence mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. that it
2: plays a very necessary role,
1: mm-hmm.
2: um, but can very easily be overt- overtake the creative process. Mm-hmm. It can very easily overtake the creative process. Mm-hmm. And I don't want it to. So certainly um, activities like sitting and staring out a window, mm-hmm. drinking a cup of tea, mm-hmm. journaling, free form thought, allowing myself to percolate, mm-hmm. playing with materials, mm-hmm. collaging things together, making sounds and gestures, and allowing that intuitive intelligence to come forward mm-hmm. and t- just really talking to myself. Yeah, I'll, I'll judge it later. When that critical witness comes up, that analytical intelligence takes over in a judgmental manner, Mm -hmm. we can, you know, just like you talk to your students, you can talk to your own mind.
1: Sure, sure.
2: Hey, man, this is not the time.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'll take talk a, about it later. <laughs> take a chill bill. Go hang out over there right, for a while. Right. I'll exactly. get to you later. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Well, and like in thinking about you know the classroom space, which we want to have it be safe and free and open to all, and a welcoming kind of environment. But then you have things like critiques and you have things like grades and you have things like assessment, which we're all engaged in constantly in an academic environment. Um, How do you, you know, what are some strategies that that you've used that have, you know, been helpful to allow students to really feel safe in that kind of space when they're, you know, 18 and things are, you know, changing and they're away from home and, you know, so much is going on.
2: Absolutely. So much is going on. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And it's all right at the surface Mm -hmm. and it's all
2: very important. Mm-hmm. And it's all so easily overlooked right. if we don't acknowledge that these are humans yeah. in our studio classroom. Yeah. And so for critique, since mm-hmm. you mentioned it, mm-hmm. I remind the students at the beginning of each critique, whether it's a one on one critique with me mm-hmm. or a, a peer review, which we do on a mm-hmm. very regular basis. Mm hmm small group critique. Mm. These are formative critiques throughout the making process Mm
1: -hmm. or whether
2: it's a summative critique at the end of the making Mm. process, um, perhaps with the whole class present. I remind them that the reason we do critiques is to help each other out. Mm -hmm. The reason we do critiques is to learn what Mm -hmm. other people see and don't see as present in our work Mm -hmm. and whether what's present or not present is labor, labor, is material, is content, is concept. That's how we learn, is through the acknowledgement that someone else sees it as present or not present. Mm-hmm. And so failure is necessary in order to learn. Mm-hmm. And that's one way that we can help our students fail forward. Mm-hmm. It is so easy in today's contemporary education climate to overinflate grades. Yes. Yes. It is so easy to baby them since they have been sheltered, hovered over, Mm -hmm. quote unquote, protected. And I would say that's the antithesis of protection, Mm -hmm. because the only way to actually be protected in this culture is Mm -hmm. to know Mm. where you are and what you are doing and to have honest self-reflection So that you can trust yourself. And if we, quote unquote, protect them from their failures, Mm. we're not giving them a chance to learn. And we are creating a society in which ignorance and stupidity and apathy, laziness, or just simply a lack of curiosity Mm. will reign. So I feel it's absolutely critical. Mm -hmm. Not just for the art majors who will go on to continue to make art for the rest of their lives, which I wish were all of them, but I know mm-hmm. will not be all of them. But for all of the students in the room, for all of the humans in the room, so that they can have a, an intelligent pathway in their thinking towards greater curiosity and self-reflection and vulnerability. And to know that vulnerability, with vulnerability comes strength,
1: Mm-hmm. And power, even and
2: power it yeah. is so powerful to be vulnerable and present in mm-hmm. the moment with another human being mhm
1: mm-hmm. absolutely absolutely yeah, and it's it's hard to do that in a way that feels comfortable in the beginning, you know because I think sometimes in the classroom it feels very. Okay, you know you're teaching. Maybe you're a grad student. You're a TA. You want to get the next job. You want to have good images of work. You want things to look good at the end, right? And all these things that we're talking about are really process, you know, and really things that that engage um, in this activity, right? This ongoing activity. And you know, how do you think about that in terms of you know product not not versus process, not 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 that they're in anger you know with each other but but how do you sort of think about that in terms of uh what the thing is that that they make at the end so
2: i think it would be great to have an anger management class or process <laughs> and product were together that was great <laughs> i would love that class that would be amazing
1: yeah can we yeah, mediate that, that together that would be great, that would be that. great. yes
2: uh they're they're so intertwined. Mm-hmm. If a student is not engaged in a process, the product mm-hmm. will be garbage. Mm-hmm. It will be irrelevant, it will be outside of them, it will mm-hmm. be outside of society, it will look like a workbook from
1: fifth grade. It will
2: be <laughs> an exercise.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. And it won't have them in it at all. It
2: won't have them and yeah. so they won't they won't want it after. Yeah. They want to want to have Now there are there is room in curriculum for skill building and technical construction. Sure. Absolutely. Mhm. But so as an example in the 3D form class that um that I teach there is a, a basic scale-up project where they take mm-hmm. a man-made handheld object and they scale it up to either four or six feet. There's mm-hmm. simple algebra involved. And they all freak out about that. So we walk <laughs> them through. We teach them how to, how to cut, how to measure. Mm, right, sure. They, but if they choose an object that has iconic meaning for them in their life, Mm-hmm. Then they are so much more engaged. Like the student last fall who made, uh, remade a keychain with Thor's hammer on it because she wanted to accentuate the idea of strength and to further develop her understanding of ignorance mm. and to imbibe this story in that while she was. Creating this object, that she actually went from one of my worst students construction wise mm. to one of my best students construction wise. Oh wow! Because the entire time she was making, she was thinking about the content,
1: and so it made her want to want to work really hard, want to put the time in. She, yes, yeah, yes. yeah. She That's remade
2: huge. that four foot
1: force hammer <laughs> <laughs> three or. four. Three or four times. Yeah. Yeah. And and and, and I think because she was invested in the, in the process, and it's like, you know, on the other side and, you know, sort of from the faculty perspective, if we're not invested and in, like bought into the curriculum, you know, if we're just handed a syllabus, here's what, what you have to do. Here's what you ha- the project you have to do. One, two, three, four, five. It's like, great, cool. Anyone can do this. I'm a placeholder, you know? <laughs> I am not interested in a foundations factory. Mm.
2: And I think any school, college, Mm -hmm. university who thinks that you can convey the same information with the same passion and clarity and uh, engagement from the Mm -hmm. faculty member across a series of courses, they're being foolish. Mm -hmm. They're being foolhardy. Mm -hmm. They are Mm -hmm. not thinking about the humans in the room. A faculty member is a human in the room, right? And they have to teach to their strengths, so that the students can learn from their strengths
1: Mm -hmm. and learn to their strengths. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. But I think it's easy to think, perhaps, that okay, you know, you have these five projects; they're working. We'll just keep riding that train, and then anyone can do this, and blah, blah, blah. But that's absolutely—I agree—that's absolutely not not helpful.
2: When I was a student teacher back in nineteen ninety four.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: in Massachusetts. I was working with a high school teacher who said, well, I don't have any training in teaching, but I guess what you just do is you make a series of projects and over the first few years, you make them better. And then you just teach those for the next couple of decades until you retire.
1: Wow, It's not a direct quote, but yeah. It yeah. Is, but that it was is the, pretty close. Yeah. <laughs> that was the impression you got for sure.
2: And the students really didn't care. They labored over these drawings for Mm -hmm. hours and days and weeks. Mm -hmm. And it could have been a really cool project. It was all about the stuff in your closet. Oh. So it could have been really exciting. Yeah. But she didn't talk to them about the content. Mm. She didn't ask them to examine what was on the floor. What is the detritus of your life? Mm
1: -hmm. She Mm -hmm. didn't
2: add that philosophical component in the introduction nor in the formative critiques. And so at a certain point, it became this laborious thing that they had to color in.
1: Oh, dear. Yeah, so it was just sort of like fill in the lines, fill in the color, one, two, three, here we go. And
2: how many college classes have been Mm
1: -hmm. taught
2: in that same manner?
1: Absolutely, that we've had or that, yeah, that our students have had.
2: Now, at the University of Kentucky, where Mm -hmm. I'm the director of foundations, Mm -hmm. we do have sample projects. Sure, And I do offer those sample projects up to anyone who's interested, Mm
1: -hmm.
2: whether they have their MFA or whether they're a TA. And I certainly am very clear that the people who have their terminal degree have academic freedom. Mm -hmm. And I think that is absolutely something that needs to be continued in every program across Mm -hmm. this grand nation. (laughs) (laughs) If you have your terminal degree, you should have academic freedom. Within the course description and the course, uh, student learning outcomes of the course.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: So the TAs have to kind of follow those sample projects. Sure. Sure. Because I want them to have some success.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: I want them to work towards their strengths within a structure. Sure. Because they don't have any pedagogical
1: classes. Yeah, and they're very new. And, and they're and so new and they're mm-hmm. so overwhelmed with making mm-hmm. their own work. Right.
2: And the expectations and standards Mm -hmm, there mm -hmm. that I want to give them support. And so we talk about it. We talk about Mm -hmm. how they can tweak it, how they can adjust it, how they can make it theirs. Sure. And what's interesting is that a lot of them actually like to do the same projects because Mm -hmm. they like to be in a community. Mm -hmm. And only the lazy few in my years there have thought to themselves and perhaps said out loud that they had to do that project. To me, that's Mm -hmm. the death knell of a program. Mm. I had to teach that because then the students are like, I had to do that.
1: Absolutely. It trickles down and that Mm -hmm. that vibe is felt for sure. So that to me is
2: not feeling forward. That Mm -hmm. to me is resting. Mm. That's sitting back. That's falling down hard. Yeah. And just
1: like repeat, you know, just push, push play. Yeah. Well, then I'm, you know, I'm curious in terms of like consistency, because that's something I hear a lot about. Um, where I am and it's you know it's important to think about you know if a student's in this class they should have opportunities in a similar fashion than you know in, in another section of that course and how do you how do you respond to that you know thinking about academic freedom thinking about passion thinking about you know strengths and those kinds of things um, is consistency important in a, in a foundations program I think it depends on how you define consistency okay
2: because there are so many ways sure. to define sure. that one word. Sure. So many ways to implement consistency. Mm-hmm. So what we've done at the University of Kentucky is mm-hmm. in our foundation's advisory committee,
1: mm-hmm.
2: we've created check sheets.
1: Mm.
2: So there are there is a syllabus mm-hmm. and we have decided to all have the same kind of attendance policies and those kinds of things. Sure, sure. But then when it comes to the projects themselves Again, we have those sample ones, Mm -hmm. which anyone can tweak, adjust, or not use if they have their terminal degree. Right, As long as they cover all the student learning outcomes that are on the syllabus and this check sheet, which goes into a little bit greater depth with some of the vocabulary terms and some of the Mm -hmm. artistic movements that we would like to be covered, Mm -hmm. some of the material processes. Right,
1: right. Absolutely, but I think that that is an important word to define because I feel like we hear it a lot, you know, and um, and I don't think we often talk about what does that really look like and what could that mean or how how could that be defined differently.
2: I could not think of a worse semester than the a, a semester in which I was told as a creative human
1: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. who.
2: Revels in in my own experience of intuitive intelligence Mm -hmm. was told that I had to teach certain projects in certain ways in a certain Mm -hmm. timeline. Mm -hmm. That I could not respond to my own strengths or the strengths of the humans in that room.
1: Right. To me,
2: that would kill all of my passion and creativity. Mm -hmm. That would stifle all conversation. Mm -hmm. It would kill intimacy. It is not risky at Mm -hmm. all.
1: Mm Mm-hmm.
2: It is the opposite. Yeah. Yeah. That will not encourage creativity or curiosity or iteration. Mm-hmm. Why would you want to ask a student to do another type of project like this if you hated the first one they did and you were <laughs> bored? You're not going to yeah. want to sit there as a faculty member and grade even the first one. No. You're not going to no. want to critique it.
1: Your mm-hmm. critiques
2: are gonna be stifled, mm-hmm. they're gonna be shorter or just drawn out and boring. It's gonna be torture for yeah, everyone. Yeah, robotic
1: involved. for everyone, really.
2: Yeah. yeah. So what's the point of that?
1: hmm Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I I understand what you're saying, absolutely. Um, you know, and I think reflecting on that, you know, and, and sort of reflecting on this idea of failing forward. And wanting to be kind of clued into that. You know what I mean? We want our students to be reflective. We want them to pause. We want them to be present. Um, but sometimes we don't talk enough, I think, as faculty about how we should be doing that and how we should be taking care of ourselves. And so what are some strategies that you've used um, you know, for you that have, have been helpful in terms of that habit of awareness or that habit of, of reflecting on your own practice or how that's happening in the studio, how that's happening in the classroom?
2: This is not a typical semester because Mm -hmm. I am the acting associate director of the School of Art and Visual Studies and the acting director of undergraduate studies for the School of Art and Visual Studies, as well as the director of foundations. So I'm finding that in this administrative role,
1: Mm -hmm.
2: I have not found the mechanisms to take that time for reflection. Mm -hmm. And I have noticed it impact my creative practice in a negative manner. Oh, interesting. So the in my normal faculty life, <laughs> <laughs> right. uh, the mechanisms I use yeah. are, yeah. um, are are on a schedule. Mm-hmm. And so in the mornings, I take time for simple things like a gratitude journal,
1: mm-hmm.
2: cups of tea, reading about other artists, whether it be um, from books or online sources. Mm-hmm so that I can engage in someone Mm -hmm. else's creative world and their language Mm. to help expand my own. Sure. And certainly working in the studio, writing scores, potential scores for potential performances, Mm -hmm. looking at the artwork created by my compatriots around the world Mm. um, through social platforms. Sure. Those are ways in which I can engage in the... And the risky behavior that my colleagues are doing and Mm. to support my own notions of risk Mm -hmm. and failure in my own practice. Mm -hmm. So for me, it's about making sure I have the time Mm. and not taking that time to that time during those days and during those times, during those days, not taking that time to do the dishes
1: Mm -hmm.
2: or to, um, Do curricular planning.
1: Right. Or check your email or respond to this thing or go down that rabbit hole of Uh, Facebook. Right. (laughs) Instagram. Instagram. (laughs) Right. Cute dogs online. Oh, there's a meme.
2: I want to look at that some more.
1: (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah.
2: Just like our students. Mm -hmm. It's so easy to get distracted. And so I um, am very purposeful Mm -hmm. in my discipline. Mm
1: -hmm.
2: Very, very purposeful in my weekly routine.
1: Yeah. That, that seems to really help, though, you know, having that consistency, having that habit and giving yourself permission to to protect that time um, is crucial, I think, you know, to being a happy person <laughs> in the world
2: where committee meetings are so difficult to schedule because everybody is so right, busy. Right. It is really important to think about the times when I am busy in my studio mm-hmm. as being busy and unavailable mm-hmm. for such kinds of meetings. Sure.
1: And we talk a lot about, you know, how we, we shouldn't say yes to everything, you know, but it's like, I really should say yes to myself. You know, that should be someone I should be saying yes to like every single day. Can't we flip that coin instead of the guilt mm-hmm.
2: that we might feel or associate with saying no to someone mm-hmm. else? Right. What about the guilt? you yeah. saying no to yourself and your own creative practice. Absolutely. So I like your approach better, though, because it's much more positive. <laughs> <laughs> Let's eliminate the guilt. Yeah, I think catalyst. Just the other day here yeah. at Fate, yeah, that was one of our uh, monikers that we came up with. I was um, on a in a discussion group mm-hmm. dealing with ideas of um, balance and work life, mm-hmm. and I mm-hmm. do believe that balance is the great myth of our time.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: That I do believe it's more about equanimity over a, a period, a greater period of time than mm-hmm. we're necessarily used to looking at,
1: mm-hmm.
2: and certainly. Eliminate guilt was one of the big ones. Also, to not play into the system. Mm. Mm -hmm. At a certain point, we are the makers of the system in which we are engaged. Mm
1: -hmm. At a certain
2: point, we've created this existence and this paradigm.
1: Right. And you've made all that so powerful and so important and have such, you know, leverage. Um, over our lives, and if we just don't allow that system to be there, then well, then poof, it has no power it has over no power. Us, right? Things only
2: have power that we give power to.
1: Hmm. Hmm. Absolutely. Well, do you feel like there are, you know, if if you could go back in time, you know, if we could like Back to the Future, <laughs> <laughs> Michael <laughs> J. Fox, exactly, <laughs> get into a fancy vehicle, and if you could go back and and speak to yourself, you know, when you were in school. And when you were studying as a student, um, are there things that you wish you would have known? Are there things you wish you could just whisper in your ear?
2: My path has been uh, a beautiful one mm-hmm. filled with trepidation and um, both torment and joy. Mm. And I, I think I would probably just tell myself it's going to be okay.
1: Oh, I love that. That's it all works out
2: in some way. Yeah. And it's never the way in which we envision. Mm -hmm. So I would tell... Well, so I went by Belinda at that point. So mm-hmm. I would tell Belinda, uh-huh. hey there, undergrad. Uh-huh. And your vintage clothes from the Salvation <laughs> Army with your wedge cut right. and your grunge flannels. <laughs> nice. It's all going to be OK. And it will be so radically different from anything you can imagine. Yeah. Don't even worry about it.
1: Right? Just go for it. Just go for it. Yeah, because we can't plan things out. And how uninteresting and unsexy is that plan, even if we were to come up
2: with it? I think goals are really important. Sure. Goals are
1: really crucial. And it's crucial to have a path and you you need to know where you're going.
2: As long as we can be flexible and responsive Mm -hmm. in looking and reflecting upon our goals
0: and deciding
2: what those realistic goals can really be for our lives. Mm-hmm. But no, if I if anyone told me an undergrad that I would be here right now with you, that mm-hmm. I would have run a business for 9 years, right. that I would own a house, even no yeah. way. Yeah. That I would have been divorced twice.
1: That never
2: would have <laughs> entered into my
1: consciousness. Similarly myself as well. But once, but but, but yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's just, it's, it's wild to think that, you know, you have this, at least I thought I had this, okay, this is how it's going to go for me. I'm going to have this kind of hairstyle. It's going to be like this. It's going to, you know, it's going to feel really good. I'll have everything really figured out at this age yes. or at this time and I'm going to be super grown up and like there'll be this like plateauing, right? Mm-hmm. And then I think, oh no, I don't ever want that plateau. I don't ever want to be like done or not curious or feel like I'm finished learning or feel like I've got it figured out or there's this even balance. Like I feel like that activity is so important, you know?
2: And I think it's a real risk to acknowledge the limits of our knowledge mm. the, um, that our experiences have formed who we are. Mm-hmm. And I think it is um, very courageous when people stand in their place
1: mm-hmm. and
2: own their whole lives. Yeah, yeah. And don't feel like they have to put on the falsehood of professorship, the falsehood of the all-seer, all-knower, all-doer, the master Mm -hmm. to the apprentice.
1: Right, right. That's very huge.
2: I like to mentor my students Mm -hmm. as my students mentor me. Mm. We have different spheres of knowledge.
1: Sure, sure.
2: We have different life experiences, Mm -hmm. and I get to tell them it will all be okay. Right. And it will be very different than you think.
1: Right. And that's that's so encouraging to know that and to hear that too. You know, and I think so in terms of mentoring, you know, and when I think when I think about those those kinds of words, you know, and sort of the formality of like mentoring, it seems like someone wears a fancy jacket and maybe there's like a a pen that's really like (laughs) professional looking. It's like now I'm mentoring. (laughs) So many of my ideas of things are ridiculous. But um, (laughs) but but, you know, it's such an important thing. And, you know, when you were starting in your role as a professor, were you? like mentored formally? Was there someone that was like assigned to you? Do you know what I'm saying? So I took 10 years,
2: about 10 years off in between undergrad and grad. Right. And in those 10 years, I had um, taught in primary, secondary, community Mm -hmm. ed. Mm -hmm. I taught in public and private. And I had run my own business at that point for many years. Yeah. So when I went to grad school, I was actually a a GA, not Mm -hmm. a TA, Mm -hmm. until they needed someone to step in.
1: Mm -hmm.
2: And, When I stepped in, because I had had that experience, there was one man, um, Mike Levine, Professor Mike Levine, Mm. who was helpful to me. Mm
1: -hmm. And Mm -hmm.
2: his just like my professor in -hmm. sculpture, Mm -hmm. uh, Mike was also empowering and encouraging Mm -hmm. and said things like, yeah, you got this. Oh, do your prep. Don't worry about it. That's huge to hear that. Yeah, I walked by your classroom the other day. It's going well. Simple little things, and then when mm-hmm. I wanted more information, I could sit down with him. And
1: you knew that you could, so and you knew that it able. wasn't like okay, every every Tuesday at four o'clock we're going to officially, you know, like mentor talk about these things in a very formal way. So it was more conversational, more friendly. And so when I
2: um, was asked to come on the faculty of the University of Kentucky and mm-hmm. work with the TAs. And mentor them. Right, right. Because they didn't have a class in pedagogy. Mm. Um, I set up a workshop discussion group structure. Yeah. And so we sit around on Friday mornings, not even every Friday. We sit around on some Friday mornings, and we have coffee. Mm. And I typically have some muffins because I <laughs> like to feed people. Snacks. <laughs> and I have some, I don't know, little games or little cards or little something for them to play with, mm-hmm. a little Chinese firecracker. Um <laughs> To break up the, the seriousness of it all. And we get to talk about what's happening in their classrooms. We get to talk mm-hmm. about what their students are engaged mm-hmm. in, what their problems are, where they feel unresolved or insecure, what risks they are taking in mm-hmm. critique and project development, what mm-hmm. where they feel vulnerable, where they want more
1: support, and they work it out with each other and with me. Oh, that's really nice. And so it's more casual, more conversational. So there's not like an agenda. It's not like formalized in any kind of...
2: I make sure we cover all of the topics that right. we need to cover within the semester, sure. but I really sure. don't care in what order they come up.
1: Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so
2: if there's a lull in the conversation, I can certainly insert what I need to make sure we Sure. Yeah. sure. And certainly around midterms, we have to talk about midterm grades. Of course, and things like... Things that are appropriate in the
1: timeline. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And
2: then at the beginning and the end of each semester, sometimes just at the beginning of the semester, we talk in course prep meetings.
1: sure. Sure. With
2: all of the full-time, part-time and mm-hmm. TA faculty who are teaching in this course prep. Mm-hmm. Um, and we meet in that studio classroom yeah, that, where the class is taught. Mm-hmm. And we review the check sheet and the syllabus. And we talk about the new things that the ombud has put forth and <laughs> taken away. And <laughs> right, right. <laughs> all of the brass tacks, if uh-huh, you will. Uh-huh. And people get to share project ideas. Yeah. And see where we want to take this beautiful class mm-hmm. and these beautiful mm-hmm. humans that will be a part of it.
1: Right. Well, and is that something in terms of like mentorship, is that something that you feel like is important as a professor to, to be receiving from another professor in terms of that relationship? Even though you've been teaching for a while, you know, and have a lot of experience.
2: I am not in charge of each studio classroom mm-hmm. that is in the foundations program. Right. That is not my role. Mm -hmm. I feel like my role is to facilitate a collaboration that creates a curriculum. Mm
1: -hmm.
2: So when I first got there, I I certainly watched and I listened and paid attention to what was Mm -hmm. happening. So I didn't crush any beautiful spirit present.
1: Yes. You don't want to
2: dig up flowers that haven't bloomed yet, right? Mm -hmm. And throw them in the trash. (laughs) 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 Out of this lovely garden in the first year. And so... Um, but now we talk about where we want to take it. Mm-hmm. We talk about it together. Mm-hmm. And so I'm very excited that more and more of my colleagues are starting to attend these conferences and yeah. think tanks and yeah. fate and mm-hmm. becoming more familiar with the field so that we can um, teach to our strength and be relevant within mm-hmm. the contemporary practices of first year experience.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. Ray, it has been such a pleasure to talk to you. And Thank congratulations you. on everything that you're doing. Let us all fail forward together and then we can catch ourselves Absolutely. and each other. Thank you so Thank much, you. Ray.
0: Thank you for listening to this episode of Positive Space. If you're interested in being part of FATE's ongoing conversation about art foundations, visit the FATE website at foundationsart.org. Don't forget the dash between foundations and art. This episode's interview was conducted by Valerie Powell and was engineered and edited by Raymond Gaddy. Our theme music was provided by Lee Rosevere. If you like what you hear on Positive Space, be sure to give us a review at iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever it is you find your podcast. Better yet, send us some audio... You can call Positive Space at 904-990-FATE. That's 904-990-3283. You may find your voice on the next episode of Positive Space.